We'll be in Colossians 3 uh, here in just a couple minutes. Uh, let me say before I say that, um, uh, there are people in our church this morning that need prayer. And um, if we're going to go and serve, we have to go and serve God and serve others. Um, pray for the Urbanzic family uh, this morning. Um, Marjorie's, uh Christine. Uh, Christine uh, passed away uh, Friday night late, so keep her in your prayers. Uh, we'll be posting about um, uh, we'll be posting a, about uh, memorial service and all that when all the details are in. But keep her in your prayers. Um, there are others in the service this morning dealing with loss, so uh, keep them in your prayers as well. Uh, some recovering from traumatic circumstances, so. Now all the fun stuff's out of the way. Let's get into the Word. Uh, Colossians chapter number 3 and verse uh, number 1. Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says this. It says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things that are of earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, has appeared, then you will also appear with him in glory. I'm getting to that verse in just a couple of minutes. But have you ever had a friend in life that just changed all of a sudden on you? You know what I mean? You remembered them one way, and maybe you maybe you didn't see them in a long time, or maybe you, you just saw them for the first time in a few weeks, and all of a sudden things are different in their life. Different can be good or bad, right? Uh, sometimes you find out that that person sadly has become an addict. Sometimes you, you find out that person is is involved in some kind of direct sales, and next thing you know, you're showing stuff at your house, right? Okay. No one wants to say amen that. Everybody's like, oh, okay, I don't know that I can say that. My direct sales rep is here, so I can't. My wife sells pampered chefs, so I can joke with that. Anyway, but uh, sorry, hon. Uh, I told you I offend you at least once a week, so this is my one. Checked it off. Uh, something is different, Right? Whatever that thing is, something is changing them so much that it either drives you to do one or two things. It either drives you to be closer to them, that you want to get to know them, want to get to know what changed in their life, or it drives you away. Because whatever's changed, you don't like. What the Bible's addressing here in Colossians chapter 3 is a change. First point, if you keep in notes, is Christ changes what we care about. Christ changes what we care about. It says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your mind on those things that are above, not on things that are earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, remember Colossians 1 and 2, we talked about what it was like to be saved we talked about the false ideas of salvation. As we go on now to chapters 3 and 4, it goes on to how we live. And the definition of how we live is we should be that changed person, right? That what mattered 
to us before we got saved might matter, but it doesn't matter near as much as Jesus does. It doesn't matter near as much as his word does. It changes what we care about. Can I say this? It changes what we get upset about. Before I was saved, I was a very angry person. Any of you, any of you there? Okay. Um, you know what I found out? The closer I got to Jesus, there were less things I got mad about. Now, there are still things that upset me. I can't proclaim to be perfect in that area. Um, I was actually talking to uh, a young lady last night, and uh, she said, you don't like some people, do you? And I go, okay, you know, God's working on me in that area. So, no, you're right. Um, but the idea there is we change what matters to us because the Bible uses that picture that we have been raised with him, which means we've gone on from what we were to what we're going to be. And I'm going to use an illustration, a simple concept of, of taking off and putting on. Jason, don't worry, there shouldn't be any wardrobe malfunctions with this one. Uh, I did a message at camp that I was reminded of uh, that he had to hold my shirt down for a wardrobe malfunction possibility. Uh, there won't be one this morning, Lord willing. And if there is, you'll at least have something. We're not doing a live stream this morning, right? Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> that'd be an awkward thing to have to cut out of a video. Um, but the idea of taking off something and putting on something else. Because as we get rid of the old life, we realize something has to take its place, right? What we're going to talk about in the first verses 5 through 9 is what we take off, what we get rid of. And we're going to go on to talk in, in, in the, the latter verses of what we put on. Now, we're going to deal with verses 22 on through the end of the book next week, so don't feel like I'm cutting you short. It just seems to cut better that way. Um, but Christ calls us to crucify our old self. And what I want you to do here is we're going to put a mirror to our lives um, in the next few verses. Um, what our temptation is, is when we put a mirror up, our temptation is to flip that mirror around to everybody else, right? Okay. We like to see their sin because, you know, it ain't ours. Um, we don't have a problem with it, so we figure, hey, we're doing good. Everybody else should be doing good. So I want you to look at, at that. And, and we're even going to deal with those dangerous verses in 19 to 21. Some of you all have a preview of that that already know where we're going. Um, about wives and husbands and children and all that. So hopefully by the end of the message, uh, I've either, can, either the Holy Spirit has convicted you or I've offended you, one of the two. Uh, hopefully it's the first. Um, but we're going to try to stick with what the Word of God says. And it says, in verse 5, starting off, we're going to read verse 5 through 9, then we're going to break it down. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on the account of whose the wrath of God is coming in those you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, do not lie to one another, seeing as you have put on the new self with its practices. 
So we've see what we're supposed to take off. The first thing, by the way, this is the one we tend to be self-righteous on, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. All those are clumped in a category of sexual sin. And we think to ourselves, that's easy to take off, right? Hopefully. Now, we say that, but we sweep things under the rug that culturally happen. I know I've hit pornography a couple of times. We sweep that under the rug because we kind of write that off as, well, it's not hurting anybody. Um, except the people who are exploited to make it and the people who are exploited to watch it. Um, so it does. Never get an amen on that one. I don't know. It's just one of those... But it's out there, and it's all around us. Um, it says, put to get death sexual immorality, impurity, passion, and evil desire. So it clumps all those things together. It says, put to death all of those things. All of those things get rid of. Get them out of your life. Take care of them. Put to death sexual sin. And by the way, that's going to be a hard one to do. If you're struggling with that this morning, let me tell you, I, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to share with you some help because that takes accountability to get through. Because it's something that gets stuck in you because uh, they've actually biologically looked at that and it actually changes how your brain waves work. Changes how you respond to affection, normal affection. It says, put to death those things. So we got rid of those, right? That, you know, if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I, I'm glad that he's talking to that crowd. But eventually, God's going to get to your crowd, so don't just, just wait. Um, it says, secondly, put to death covetousness, which is idolatry. I would ask you to raise your hands this morning, but I won't because I know it's true and all of us have it at some point. Is there something you want in life that you don't have right now? Is there something you want? All of us, right, we all fit that bill, right? So we're, I told you, it get harder as we go down. We all fit that bill. There's something in life that we desire. By the way, there's nothing wrong with desiring things. Because sometimes in church we tend to preach this kind of monkly, weird theology that says God doesn't want you to have anything. That's just weird. Uh, that's not Bible. The only time you see Jesus address that was the rich young ruler. And the reason he addressed that is because the rich young ruler was exactly what's here in the text. The rich young ruler, he knew, loved his money. It says, put to death covetousness, a word, word we typically use for that is greed, which is idolatry. Why? Because we put that thing before Jesus. We say, Jesus, if I can't have that, you don't love me. If I can't have that, you don't care about me. Have you been there before? You prayed for something. Some, some of you here praying for good things, praying for somebody to get saved and you don't have it yet. You're praying uh, for someone to get healed and you're not seeing it. You prayed for someone to get better, and they didn't. But you have to realize God loves you, and he cares about you. And sometimes we don't understand why things happen. And we can't. And it doesn't make sense. 
but God loves you nonetheless. All right, so if I haven't hit you yet, uh, it says in verse 8, these transfer into what I, what, what I, I call, the scripture gives specific, these transfer into what I call attitude sins. You ever done the right thing with the wrong attitude? <laughs> you ever been there and said, man, I... We get that attitude in the church too, right? We, we, we have to do something. Well, you know, I care because I have to. John's like, no, no, never, never, never. Never, never has happened, right? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> it must not. Yes. Uh, the concept, he says, take away, and he lists them all, anger. By the way, the Bible says it's okay to be angry, right? But it says don't sin when you're angry. And then we're dealing with a sinful anger. Um, and it goes on. He says, not only put away anger, put away wrath. What is wrath? Wrath is hostility, direct hostility towards someone, right? Don't. We see wrath come out, right? We can all picture in our mind, when I say that word wrath and I tie it to someone getting just that evil, that backlash, you know, those of you who have teenage children know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Get that, that, that rage, right, that comes out. Bible says we got to put that to death. We got to get rid of that. Not only does it say we got to get rid of that, it says we need to put to death not only wrath, but malice. Lord's been dealing with me on this one lately. What's malice? How do we define malice? Malice is that simple thing. How many ever saw somebody go, going down a wrong life path, and when they reached the end of that life path, you were kind of happy? You said, man, you know, I knew, and I, I told them so, right? <laughs> I knew exactly where they're going to go, and, and we get like a like a twisted sense of joy out of their misery. You know what the Bible, the Bible calls that malice. We have to get rid of that malice out of there. We have to get rid of it. We have to lay that malice down. The next one there. Slander. Slander. Talking about someone to their detriment. Not, there's, there's a way in which we can refer to people and tell stories that are positive, right, or truthful at least, something that we would all acknowledge. But then there's a way of slander where we, we, we tend to put the knife in a little bit. We tend to stretch the truth the other direction, or we tend to share something that shouldn't be shared with everybody, and we share it to hurt that person. The Bible says we get rid of all of that. Then we go down. What's next? Obscene talk. Oh, man. You got to go there, right? What we typically think of obscene talk, 
we think of you know the the words you can't say on television. Well, now you can say all the words on television, but at one time there were words you couldn't say on television, uh, and we tend to go there. But but the idea there is filthy talk, uh, things that are immoral, things that we. By the way, uh, this is one of those where we all need grace on because sometimes we all find ourselves guilty. You ever tell a joke and feel bad about it afterwards? Okay, <laughs> good, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Uh, you're like, man, you know what? I probably shouldn't have shared that. Okay. The Bible says we got to put that to death. And then it says, do not lie to one another for you have put off the old self. We're Christians. We don't lie, right? Claim to be believers. We don't lie. We don't ever not tell the truth. But we shade it, don't we? <laughs> we leave out the detail that makes you the bad guy, right? Uh, by the way, um, I'll give you a note of personal testimony. I had somebody screenshot me a text from somebody else the other day. And by the way, if you ever send me one of those, you always get a kind of a gripey message back because I'm not a fan of that. Uh, because what I know is there's a conversation that happened before and a conversation that happened after, right? Yeah. And usually when you ask, well, can I see the whole conversation, it pretty much solves the issue. Isn't it crazy how that works? When you see it. Because we like to shade the truth towards us. We like to shade the truth towards something that makes us look better, feel better, be better. Well, the Bible says we've got to take that off. And if we take all that off, we end up in verse, in verse 10 where it says, You have put on the new self, being renewed in the knowledge and the image of our Creator. Christ calls us to be new people. Verse 11 says we're neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbithian, Scythian, slave-free, Christ is all in all. When we take it off and we become saved, okay, what's that mean? That means you, I, all of us, we're under the blood, right? If we're under the blood, we don't see color, we don't see social stature, we don't see Man, woman, child, what do we see? We see Jesus. And that's what we should see. But well, I want you to realize something. We take all that old stuff off. If, if you're not dealing with sexual sin anymore, if you're not dealing with lying anymore, if you're not dealing with sins of the attitude anymore, if you're not dealing with coveting anymore, you got a lot of free time, right? <laughs> you got a lot of free time. And the dangerous thing that happens a lot of times, Christians that we don't disciple do this. They get rid of all that stuff, and then more bad stuff pops up in their life. Why? Because you got to cover it with something, right? you got to spend that time covering it with something. Christ calls us to be new people. He calls us to free our minds to think like him. He calls us to free ourselves from prejudice, There's no room for prejudice in the house of God. 
sadly, we live in a nation and a country that uh, we've practiced that for years, and we have to step out of that and step into our lives in Christ. By the way, we look for the politicians to do it. They can't. You know why they can't? Because Jesus Christ changes the hearts of people. <laughs> if your heart isn't changed, you can change a mindset. I've got kids. I know what it's like. You can tell them, like you, you can penalize them for doing the wrong thing 50 times, right? But if the wrong thing's in their heart, they'll do it 51. We're like that too. So we, I, I'm picking on kids, but it, it sounds but We have to put on the new man, to put on the new self. By the way, putting on the new self isn't always going to feel good. It's not. Pulled out a fresh, clean shirt this morning. Isn't that nice? Got it from Ross. <laughs> Got little aliens on it. One of those shirts my wife makes fun of me for. It's like, when in the world will you ever wear a shirt with aliens on it? And I said this Sunday. Uh, <laughs> love that answer. And when you put on a new shirt, there's all kind of, you ever feel uncomfortable? The new life makes you sometimes feel like, I just reached in here. I didn't even know this was in this shirt. I'm going to dirty your piano there, Clinton, but or the floor, one of the two. Um, we put it on. It takes a while to adjust, right? It takes a while to adjust. We don't know what the tags are for. I'm glad that broke on the first try. I was afraid that it wouldn't. We, we, we adjust. We get rid of all. But it, it's not really us because we've never had it. It's never been ours. You know, uh, we're used to pulling on, we get rid of the old sin and we go to Goodwill and pick up somebody else's recycled sin, right? We, we take that off. We go pick up somebody else's. Well, the Bible tells us to put on the new self. The reason I use aliens for this is because it's a whole different DNA. It's a whole different DNA we put on. And I'm just praying the mic holds. Okay, good. We made it through. Everyone in the sound booth said amen because we got to this point. Um, we made it through. Christ tells us to put on the new self. What's the new self look like? What's the difference? It says put on verse 12 there. Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Stop right there. Put on compassionate hearts. So we put on compassion for one another. We care about each other. You know, everyone in here is going through a hard time of some sort. We need to take time to care about one another. Not only do we need to take time to care about one another, the Bible says we put on kindness. Put on kindness. Sometimes we're good at those two, and then the third one we kind of stumble a little bit with because we get proud of our compassionate heart and our kindness. The Bible says put on humility. Humility. Put, put on meekness. What's meekness mean? Meekness means controlled strength. Meekness is Shaq playing with a bunch of kindergartners playing 
playing ball, right? That's meekness, okay? Uh, meekness is knowing you can do something and not doing it. Or, or, or knowing you can do something and doing it with humility to the point that you don't hurt other people. And it says to put on patience. We need... <laughs> Thank you for saying that, Lana. Patience is hard. Because the only way you learn patience is to be patient. And being patient isn't fun. But the Bible calls us to it. Why? Because people were patient with us. Going on, verse 13. Bearing one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. We go back to that whole forgiveness theme again. If one has a complaint against another, if I were to ask you for a complaint box here to be completely anonymous, you don't have to put it. Every one of us would have complaints to put in about people and things, right? We all have complaints. But it says... If one has a complaint against another, forgive. Because the Lord's forgiven you. You know how many things you've messed up on for Jesus? <laughs> you can't even count. You, you've probably done three or four this morning, if you're to be honest with yourself. The Lord has forgiven you. You must also forgive. And it says, above all these things, put on love. Why? Because love binds everything together. And when you put on that love, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let's stop there for a minute. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Whatever turmoil you're going through this morning, the peace is in Christ. It's not in what somebody else can offer you. And it says... Where we have been be called and be thankful. Then it gives us a way. I love how the fact scripture gives us an unoffensive way to do things that might be offensive to people. What's it say? Let the word of Christ grow richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. In your hearts to God. Somebody's offending you. Somebody's doing Have a song, man. Songs. I'll walk in here. I hear, you know, 10,000 reasons. Bless the Lord. That, that makes me know that I probably shouldn't be unthankful. Because I have 10,000 reasons to be thankful, right? So you take that time. By the way, if you don't listen, uh, my, my, if my 11-year-old was in here this morning, he would tell you that he gets offended with mom and dad listening to worship music because he thinks we listen to it too loud. I guess he's the old person in the house. I don't, I don't know how it works, uh, but it just tends to be the way. Listen, worship, why? Because once you get that in you, you don't believe me. Some of y'all know Tupac and Bon Jovi lyrics by heart right now. You could spit out to me or if you're country, rascal, fly, I don't care, whatever. You have that in you, right? Because you put it in you because you sang it. Sing a new song. It says in verse 17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. Why, why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? Giving thanks. That's why. Why do we do what we do? Giving thanks. Okay. 
The Bible deals a lot with the family, and we're going to finish on that. Um, Y'all are excited about this part, right? Okay. All right. So hold on. I, I, I really, I wish the scripture was ordered, but we got to go how God ordered the scripture. So we have to hit verse 18 before we hit verse 19. Uh, <laughs> we have to hit 18 before we hit 19. Uh, I want you to understand a couple things when we go in, I want you to understand ground rules. One, he's speaking to Roman culture at this point. If you don't understand Roman culture, it's real easy to get offended by what I'm about to say. Uh, Roman culture was this. Uh, the average man in Roman culture uh, lived for himself. Uh, the average man in Roman culture had relations with about three women a week, one at the temple, uh, one who was a, a, a slave or a servant, and his wife. He was in charge, okay? Unless he delegated any authority to his wife, she had none. She had no legal standing. You go to the Middle East today, you'll still see some of those cultural things. You need to understand that going in here because that's why it matters and you need to understand something about how the culture was to understand why he wrote this. Because there's a picture of Christ in the church here. Because the Bible says marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. How often does the church submit to Christ? If we're to be honest, does the church always submit to Christ? Or do we like to do our own thing? He loves us anyway, though, right? Okay. This was a radical new culture Paul was preaching. And when you're preaching a radical new culture, you have to put context to it. And you need to understand the context to it, it plugs in, and I don't know if you have a slide for it of Ephesians 5.21. If not, uh, I'll bother you for one. Um Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submitting to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. By the way, there are so many qualifiers in that verse, it's not even funny, right? As fitting in the Lord. So if your husband is asking you to do something sinful, don't. Okay? As fitting in the Lord, and the word there, submit, is a word of respect. Ephesians 5 21 is the, the cross-reference here I'm using because it says submitting one another out of reverence for Christ, and then Ephesians 5.22 deals with that principle of a wife honoring or submitting to her husband. So it plugs, it all plugs together, and here's how it plugs together. It plugs together this way, that a wife is called to respect her husband. Let me explain respect. Um, if, if we were to cross-reference in Proverbs 31, we'd see a lot about respect, where it talks about her husband being known at the gates. What's respect mean? Respect means this. It doesn't... My wife's in here, so I have to be careful. I'm joking. Uh, respect doesn't... I do not ask her to bend to my will, okay? That's not biblical submission, I plead my case if I think God is leading us in a certain direction, 
and I hope that she respectfully responds. Now, we might not agree, and I might end up going the way she says we should go because God gave both of us in the relationship, right? But there's a conversation there that that reverence is also this. That reverence is I know my wife, yeah, she might joke about me, but I know she loves me, and I know she'll stand up for me if somebody comes after me. That's the idea of, of, of submission. It's, it's an idea of respect. By the way, husband, we ought to show respect to our wives. Uh, God commands us to do in the Scripture the things that are unnatural. Men kind of live a little bit. Now, I know women that do too, so do not take this as sexist. But men tend to live more towards an honor code. You know, how many know what bro code is? You know, men have all kind of weird rules that we just make up for each other uh, that we have to obey because if we don't, then it's not cool if we don't obey that. We kind of live that way. What's it command the, the husband to do? It commands the husband to do. It says love. That, way, that word's agape. That word, husbands love your wife. The only times the word love is used in agape in the New Testament is with regards to Christ and the church, with regards to Christ and his death on the cross, with regard to husbands loving their wives. It's a completely sacrificial, 100%, 0% relationship. That means if you wake up every morning and your wife tells you she can't stand you, you love her anyway. If you wake up every morning and she does nothing but ridicule you, you love her anyway. And then it gives a second part, and you got to wonder what specifically was going on in the book of Colossians. When you read people's stuff, you kind of... You know, you read the book of First and Second Corinthians, you're like, man, that church was messed up. Uh, you read Colossians, you're like, man, there are a bunch of men in that church that were jerks. Because <laughs> he says very specifically, do not be harsh. Men, if we're honest, we have a tendency to be harsh. Understand bluntness can come across as meanness sometimes. Sometimes we need to be careful for all the car people in the crowd, they'll understand this. Um, I drive places in my truck that I wouldn't drive if I was driving a Mustang. Okay? I drive down roads. Treat your wife like the Mustang or the Corvette or what? Treat your wife. <laughs> treat your, you know, buff her and shun. <laughs> you know, treat, treat her like that. Respect her like that. Don't be harsh. She needs some TLC, okay? Don't be harsh. And lastly, it says, uh, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Realize, children, you don't obey. Somebody asked me, how, how do I define a child? Uh, are you paying your own bills? Do you pay rent? If not, you need to listen to this verse. Uh, 18 is kind of a cultural thing we've made up. Um, children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Do it because it pleases God. Listen, some of you teens I have at camp, I know your parents. Some of your parents are paying. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking, by the way. That was a that was a joke. Um, yeah. uh, okay, good. Uh, but I, I see sometimes the interaction. I'm like, man, I respect that's how he or she deals with their kids. But I, to me, it was a little harsh. But you know, you know, I don't know their kids, and I don't. It says respecting because it's pleasing in the Lord, not because of what they deserve. Because sometimes your parents, I just tell you, parents have bad days. Parents have bad days. Parents sometimes snap at you. There, there are times that I've had to, I've had to walk in, in, in my son's room and, and tell him, hey, you know what? Earlier, I was right in what I said, but how I said it was completely wrong. You know, you ever, ever been there before? Okay. And, then, and by the way, that's where verse 321 gets into. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Don't, don't tell you, there are some of you in here that are 30, 40 years old that are still dealing with some of the baggage your parents left you because they provoked you. Say, explain provoke. You're dumb. You're stupid. You'll never figure it out. I'm disappointed in you. Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? That's what that discouragement looks like, right? But the Bible calls us to a new culture. What's that new culture teach us? That new culture teaches us that Christ is all, in all, above all, and that he works through all, and that our new life is so much better and so much greater than our old life that we want, shouldn't want to walk back to it. In just a minute, I'm going to have the instrumentalist come and we'll sing uh, a closing hymn. If there's something you're dealing with that you just need to pray about in your seat that we've dealt with on taking off, or if there's something you need to put on, I encourage you this morning, take one thing. Try to Remember how I, did the, how I did the buttons? Work on one button this morning. You don't... When you grow in Christ, there are growth spurts, right? When your kids grew up, you were growth spurts. When you were a kid, there were growth spurts. I know I went from 5'3 to 6'3 in about 18 months. And uh, my friends always thought I was wearing shorts, but, you know, it was only because I rolled up the, rolled up the legs because I didn't want to be looking like I was wearing capris around everywhere. Um, take that one step. So growth... Why? Because you have from now to eternity, from, from now to the end of your life, to be conformed to the image of his son, take one. Whatever God's dealing with you, whether it's lying or malice or, or maybe God's just dealing with you and you need to be patient. You need to be kind. You need to be, take that one thing, take it to God and say, Lord, would you improve that one thing? in my life this week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for a church that's willing to hear a message like this. Lord, that you are in charge of our lives. Help us to realize that it's you working through us and in us. Help us to realize we are to be dead to ourselves and alive to you. And we just thank you, Lord, 
for everything you've done at Church in the Rock, Lord. I pray you would be with this church in their future, Lord, that you would work in a way that only you can work, Lord. We know that uh, you are here and you're with us, Lord. We just pray that you would help us to be with you and to serve you. First in Jesus' name we pray. Christian. Thank you.
So when you come to church and you've tried to preach heresy to your wife about how that submit to your husband thing's supposed to go, and Alan ruins it for me, so I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, husbands, as we go out this week, let's love our wives how the Bible teaches. <laughs> and wives, love your husbands as the Bible teaches. So anyway, um, if you guys don't know, there are a couple things. Uh, Marjorie Banzik's mother passed away this week, very unexpectedly. So if you guys want to reach out to her, text her, just tell her you love her. I talked to her yesterday. Um, she actually is going to see her mother's body today and they're gonna be cremating her. So um, anyway, we will probably be sending out some messages to some people or somehow get word. They're gonna have a memorial here for the family only on Friday, and I believe we're gonna be providing food for that. So um, we may reach out and see who can help out with that. So anyway, um, on that note, uh, as we go out this week, just stay safe, stay healthy, and um, just remember, Jesus loves you. Let's pray and then get out of here. Dear God, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Lord, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, we, we love that when we read your word, it speaks to our hearts directly. Lord, that passage today, there were some things that we might not be struggling with, but Lord, I know that in today's message, there's something one of us is going through that was touched on today. Lord, I just pray that we give that to you, hand that over to you, and Lord, trust that you'll take care of it. Lord, I just ask that you continue to be with us. Lord, we just love you and we thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.